time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 39, A Little Miracle. Monday, December 24th, 1962, the day before Christmas. I'm a 200-pound valet. Who's this guy I'm working for? Michael Blake, one of the richest guys in the country. See, he put more people out of work than the Great Depression. And me? Reginald Pearson. You've been picking up after Blake for three years. Why am I here? Well, that should be obvious. Well, to save the mission, I guess, but I don't no, know. No, how... no, it's to save Blake. Blake? What does a man like Blake need to have saved? His soul. Well, he's a real Scrooge. Al, you're a genius. Michael is Scrooge, right? He's alone, he's miserable. So? So? We Scrooge him. Hey, Blake, wake up! I am the ghost of Christmas future. Ooh. I'm here to show you your future. Ooh. I don't want to die alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to end like this. <laughs> Yes, sir. It's a sign, isn't it? I think so, sir, yes. Hello, and welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Albie. And I'm Heather. And we're talking about episode 39, A Little Miracle. Basically, it's Quantum Leap's version of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. This is our holiday show, so we figured we'd go ahead and cover this episode of Quantum Leap because it's the most Christmassy. It was suggested to us that we do this by one of our listeners, Hayden, and uh, I couldn't think of a reason not to. Since it's a time travel podcast, there's no reason why we have to stay linear. So, Heather, what did you think of A Little Miracle? I liked their take on A Christmas Carol. It was cool to have a little glimpse into a future season of Quantum Leap. This episode is not very spoilery at all, which is good. Otherwise, we couldn't do it. Is that a new word? Spoilery? Spoilery. (laughs) Not in 2015 like it is. (laughs) You're not thinking fourth dimensionally. Exactly. (laughs) One can watch this episode out of order. And not get spoiled by anything. There's a couple little things in the opening from shows we haven't seen yet. But yeah, but they don't give anything away. The only thing that was really different was the the hand link was a little bit different. And that was about it. I think that was pretty much the final version, the cool one that everybody thinks of when they think of the hand link. Yeah, it was a different look, had a different look to it. But I, I like I liked it. It's a little update. And I liked that Al wasn't the brains of the operation as much as he 
is at least in so far in in what we've seen but sam kind of came up with a lot of ideas this time and i like that al was seen by michael blake that was really cool as soon as michael blake could see al i was like okay i know what they're gonna do here i see i wasn't as smart as you with that (laughs) maybe because i went into it knowing that this was their take on a christmas carol if i didn't know that maybe i wouldn't have thought of it ahead of time but as soon as i knew he could see al i was like oh they're gonna mess with him yeah, I guess that that makes sense. Yeah, I I just kind of went in blindly, I guess. But um, I, I have never seen him be acknowledged except for Mrs. Melney when he was yelling at her in the car. So it's cool that that is a possibility. It'll be interesting to see in between the past and the future if other people can see Al or not, like we did. <laughs> well, how could you miss him in that shirt? <laughs> uh, that's the second time he wore a crazy, loud, short-sleeved summer shirt. Well, that one was like a Rocco's Modern Life shirt. Did you ever watch that show? Not at all. Well, if if you look up Rocco's Modern Life, it's a bunch of, like, I don't know, shapes like that. Triangles and crazy shapes. The last time I saw Al in a weird shirt like this was in Double Identity. And it's pretty much their shortcut into saying, yes, it's winter where you are, Sam, but where I am, it's middle of July. Heather, can you read the episode recap? Sure. Season 3, Episode 10, A Little Miracle. Original broadcast date, December 21st, 1990. Teleplay by Sandy Fries and Robert A. Waltersdorf. Story by Sandy Fries. Directed by Michael Watkins. On Christmas Eve, Sam leaps into Reginald Pearson, who is the valet to business tycoon Michael Blake. Michael is a thoroughly unpleasant man, though he is opposed to firing Sam despite his incompetence as a valet and his meddling in Michael's personal life, who is planning on tearing down a Salvation Army building in order to build Blake Plaza. He also just happens to have very similar brainwaves to Sam and so is able to see Al until Al changes the frequency slightly so that Michael can no longer see him. Sam is sympathetic to the Salvation Army and so promises Captain Laura Downey that he will find a way to save the building, with her help, of course. When Sam is ordered to sort through Michael's suits to find which ones to save and which to give away, with heavy input from Al, as Sam knows nothing about clothes, he finds a box of memories in the closet, which reveal that Michael changed his name and used to be a poor orphan living on the same street as Blake Plaza is to be built on and that he is trying to show the world just how far he has come by building the tower there. Sam convinces the chauffeur to let Sam drive Michael to his meeting and ends up taking him to the Salvation Army building. He stops the car, and one of the local kids comes over and lets the air out of one of the tires to give them an excuse to stop. When Michael gets out, after wondering how Sam thought this was a good route to get to the meeting he had, he is assaulted by memories of the past aided by several children playing and calling someone by Michael's original name. Captain Downey appears and denies having seen the boys. Caught up in nostalgia and charmed by Downey, Michael happily tells her about growing up here. When they stop to buy chestnuts, Michael recognizes the vendor as Max Wyshynski, an old friend that he had lost touch with. The two reminisce for a bit, and then Michael asks what happened to his old best friend. Max is forced to tell them that he became an alcoholic and killed himself after losing his job when the bakery became automated. As Michael made his money off of laying off workers like this, he is deeply upset. He tries to pay extra for the chestnuts, but Max just tells him to go. Blake pays him anyway. Michael storms off and then sits in his apartment getting drunk, and so Sam thinks that he has failed. 
Al believes that this is actually a good sign and that Michael is thinking about what he is doing, and so they put phase two of their plan in action. Sam tells Michael that he feels sorry for him because for all of his wealth and power, he's still missing something from his life. Michael angrily asks how he would know, and Sam bets a month's rent that he can prove it. Sam takes Michael back down to the site of the future Blake Plaza and has him put his hand on the side of the building, telling him that that path is just cold. And Michael retorts that he has had people who loved him, but they all either died or left him, and that this building and his empire won't. Before they can leave, though, they hear singing coming from the Salvation Army building and go in. Michael is once again caught up in nostalgia as he joins the festivities and really starts to open up to Downey. Unfortunately, a little boy comes over to give Michael a Christmas present, and Michael recognizes him as one of the children from earlier and realizes that this is an elaborate charade to make him change his mind. Furious, he storms out and tells Sam that he had better hope he didn't still want to fire him in the morning. Sam was discouraged, but then he remembers that Michael can see Al and sends him in as the third ghost. Al chooses to go all out and dresses up as Jacob Marley, which Michael calls him on. Because Michael saw him earlier, he doesn't initially believe that Al is a ghost and keeps insulting him. Eventually, he tries to punch Al and falls right through him. After that, it doesn't take long to convince Michael that Al is really a ghost. Michael calls for Sam to get rid of Al, but Sam pretends he cannot see him. Al takes Michael to the Salvation Army building and shows him the future. Michael is delighted at the picture of the finished Blake Plaza, but then he sees a news report from 1975 featuring an older, bitterer him declaring bankruptcy. He sees that his tower has been renamed and that he eventually jumped from the top of it into oncoming traffic. Michael is horrified and breaks down sobbing. Sam convinces Michael that it's not too late to change and a bright star leads Michael back to the Salvation Army's door and Downey lets him in. Al reveals that the two of them marry in six months and have three kids. Michael still builds his tower, but he gives the first entire floor to the Salvation Army. Sam wonders if Michael would have knocked on the door if Al hadn't put the star there, but Al says that he didn't. And that episode recap was from the Quantum Leap Wikia. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. So what did you think about this episode? I liked it, and I like the fact that the show keeps getting better at what they're doing. Skipping ahead like we did, it was nice to see that uh, they finally got everything worked out to where they know what they're doing. In other words, uh, one of the first things I noticed was uh, the leapy Reginald Pearson was a heavyset man, and uh, the suit that Scott Bakula was wearing was not tailored to fit Scott Bakula. It was tailored to fit this heavier man. And that's the way it would be because uh, a heavier man would have to wear a bigger suit. So Sam was wearing a bigger suit, so I like that. Yeah, that was a pretty in-depth thought that they covered the mistakes they were making in season one and the beginning of season two they're not making anymore so that's nice to see well i think that that kind of goes with most shows for me this episode was pretty much scrooged without the comedy there was a no there really wasn't any comedy in this one um yeah it definitely was because it was a modern version of a christmas carol which is you know like scrooged but All of his employees were scared of him, just like Scrooge, and he really didn't have a Christmas spirit. He had a Christmas tree, but it wasn't for any purpose. I mean, he didn't want the lights on. It was just like to show that he could have a big Christmas tree. Everything he did was just to show off, but he really had no one to show off to, so it was kind of all pointless. It was almost like when he was a child and his mother died and 
when she was doing anything she could just to scrape by, and then he was an orphan. He told himself, I'm going to be the richest, most powerful man in town, and uh, that's all that mattered to him, and he didn't care who he stepped on along the way. Well, see, the thing about that is, is you know, that famous saying, money can't buy happiness. I mean, depends on if you have someone to share it with or not. <laughs> I mean, what what's the purpose of having everything that you ever wanted, but nobody to share it with? Yeah, he has more paintings than the Guggenheim, and he has all this money and all these buildings. But what Sam's point was when he was trying to have him feel the building, it's like, there's no life here. Like, there's no, there's no one to hug or or talk to or enjoy your life with. You can't enjoy your life with a building. You forgot the talc. That's just weird. No, seriously, you forgot the talc. I'm waiting. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, no. Sorry. What's that about? I mean, I don't care how rich I was. I think I'm going to put my own pants on. Like there's high maintenance and then there's that. <laughs> like that. I don't even think that counts as high maintenance. That's just beyond that's normal. A, that's a whole nother level. Yeah. That's, I wouldn't take that job. Yeah. Like, and he's been doing it for years. Yeah. Poor guy. I guess the pay is pretty good. <laughs> this episode, I noticed a lot of Reginald Pearson in Sam. He was acting totally different than we normally see Sam. He was very unsure of himself, very nervous, very fidgety, very just, uh, he lacked confidence. And I thought that was from his leapy, maybe. In the beginning, definitely. But then as the episode went on, it wasn't as bad. But in the beginning, with him fumbling with the intercom and trying to find the newspaper, I felt so bad for him. He leaps into a lot of different situations, but I think if I leaped into the situation he leaped into in the beginning of this episode, I would have been like, okay, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> Not it. Because <laughs> uh, he was staring at a man's crotch, basically, a foot away. Yeah, this is definitely a, a different scene to open up to. It just, uh, I would be like, you know what? It's probably not that important, so maybe just leave me somewhere else. Well, as far as Sam is concerned with his leap situation, he at least knows he can't really do anything. I mean, he can't really go anywhere else. He's not going to go live his life as that man. He's got to get home. So he's got to do what it takes. Yeah, he's got to accomplish his mission. Speaking of mission, I wish they hadn't called this the Salvation Army. I wish they would have just went with like uh, what they did in Star Trek, the original series, The City on the Edge of Forever. Just call it the mission. Just a generic place to help people out that are downtrodden. That one charity. Yeah, just <laughs> just something nonspecific. Because that's one thing that kind of dates and affects this episode a little bit. In the past few years, the Salvation Army has released statements that's kind of tarnished their image as of late. And... Um, It doesn't go along with the Quantum Leap version of what is good and right because there's at least one episode and one comic book of Quantum Leap that deals with homosexuality and hate towards homosexuals. Um, But I'm sure that the writers of Quantum Leap had no idea that the Salvation Army would come out to have those beliefs. I mean, I I understand why you're saying that, that it should have just been like a generic thing, but who would have thought that the Salvation Army would come out with saying such hateful things? Well, I'm not blaming the writers of Quantum Leap at all. They have no idea knowing what's going to happen 22 years in the future. Yeah. And nobody expected them to come out and say that. You would think they would be more enlightened and say, well, mm, I don't know what they would say. But uh, like I was saying, uh, Quantum Leap on two different occasions at least has uh, said, you know, Basically, what our philosophy is, is people are people. And And hate is bad. Hate is bad. And everybody should be treated equal. 
And uh, nobody deserves to die, in, in my opinion, especially for being born a certain way. Innocent people don't deserve to die. Yeah. With Quantum Leap, it is very religious, but overall it's the loving part of religion and not the hateful part of religion. I think in the beginning they kind of left it up to the audience as to who was controlling the leaping, but now that they have kind of hinted that it's God and he is the one who put the star there, at least that's what we're assuming, right? Is that... Oh, at the end? Yeah. Yes. So it, it has become a little bit more religious, but it's not really in your face about it either. Um, so those who aren't religious, it doesn't offend anybody. It's still kind of uh, just touching on religion a little bit. Right. It makes it more of a supernatural fantasy type of entertainment, which uh, whether you are a believer or a non-believer, it's just good storytelling. So if they had used just a generic mission, it wouldn't have affected future viewings of it down the road. Yeah, I, I agree with that. When I when I saw the Salvation Army, I, I was a little, I don't know, I it was a little standoffish, the Salvation Army thing. But once you look past the name, it was fine having them in the episode. But like you said, if they had made a different name. Definitely the people in the episode, they didn't seem to have any hate or malice towards anyone. They were just trying to help people. Well, and also the Salvation Army as a whole, the top people of the Salvation Army might not represent the opinions of all of the people that work for the... Right. I'm sure not everybody who is involved in the Salvation Army has the same views as that person that was interviewed. Right. And uh, as of today, this recording, it is still in their handbook and that's still what they believe. But, uh, you know, I was hired by a company and I signed a handbook and I never read it, so... Yeah, and they're, to this date, they still stand outside and ring the bells and people still donate. And ha- I mean, there's still n- not a lot has changed as far as stopping all of that. Right. It's a difficult situation, but uh, hopefully in the future that will get resolved. Hopefully in our future, there will be more love than hate. And now I sound like a hippie, but <laughs> um, but really, I mean, if anything, this season and this time of the year is to love one another and appreciate the people in your life and celebrate the people that you have around you and the love in your life and not hate on other people for who they are or what they do or what they believe in. I found something online that I think is really uh, fitting for this discussion. And uh, could you read that, Heather? Sure. This is actually kind of fitting because it's kind of holiday related. Um, Okay. Being an atheist is okay. Being an atheist and shaming religions and spirituality as silly and not real is not okay. Being a Christian is okay. Being homophobic, misogynistic, racist, or otherwise hateful person in the name of Christianity is not okay. Being a reindeer is okay. Bullying and excluding another reindeer because he has a shiny red nose is not okay. So I think that really uh, says it all. Yeah, I mean, you're entitled to your own opinion. You're entitled to your own beliefs, your own faith, all of that. As long as you don't force it upon anyone else or bash someone for what their beliefs are, I think that everybody would get along. But <laughs> yeah, we should all just get along. Exactly. And this is the time of year to get along. You ever notice around Christmas time, everybody's like in a happy mood and pretty much uh, willing to go the extra mile to help each other out and maybe donate to a, their favorite charity or give somebody that they don't know a gift or have somebody to their home for dinner. And don't you wish it could be like that all year round? I don't know. I work in retail. 
Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, but yeah, for the most part, um, people are, are a lot nicer this time of year and more caring and more forgiving. And I, I really do wish it could be like that all year long. I mean, if we can pull it off for a couple months, <laughs> we should be able to, you know, do it at least most of the year. So going back to the episode, uh, I noticed Mr. Blake's breakfast was a hard-boiled egg and toast. And you see that in so many things for rich people. Like they have that little egg stand and they break the egg open and they eat it with a piece of toast. I don't know why, but that, I guess, is storytelling shortcut for I'm rich and important. Man, if I was rich, there would be some bacon and lots of cheese involved and some hash browns. I mean, listen, if I had a cook... It would not be a hard-boiled egg and some toast. I could do that by myself. I don't need a kitchen staff to make me a hard-boiled egg and toast. I would... An omelet, maybe? Some eggs benedict? Michael Blake definitely has a big staff. And uh, maybe that's why he went bankrupt in the future. When you're rich, that's another criteria, I think, is having a staff of people, of mostly unnecessary people. Um, But I I guess with that huge house, he couldn't clean it all himself or do all the maintenance himself. And that's the point of being rich. You get to uh, employ people to do the things you don't want to do. And uh, back in 1962, when this episode takes place, I'm thinking it was more like uh, a lot of things were a lot less automated like today. And uh, it was more like the Flintstones where you needed a bird to take your picture and you needed an elephant for running water. So it was more like that. Like you could have anything you wanted to get done as long as you had enough people to do it. Can we get an elephant for running water? Where do we sign up for that? We already have running water. I think it would cost more to have an elephant. But like, can you imagine having an elephant in your backyard? Like, hey, can you just water my plants? <laughs> Thanks, dude. So I noticed that speaking of his wealth, um, he kind of sounds disgusted talking about his mother's life and that whole childhood part of when they're in the car and Sam asks him about the pictures or, you know, brings up his childhood. Um, and, and he talks about his dad leaving and, you know, obviously he's upset about that, but the way he talks about his mom, he's so disgusted, like that she died on her hands and knees on someone else's bathroom floor. You would think he would be grateful. Yeah. Like doing what she had to do to give him any kind of life, though she, you know, didn't succeed as far as you know she passed away but like being a mom and having to struggle as a single mom and do whatever you have to do to take care of your child like the way he talked about her was just so bitter maybe when he was younger he made a very immature judgment of his mother about what happened and was angry and took it out on his mother and never changed his mind like never took the time to think about it and understand yeah, I, I see where you're going with that because, you know, he could have looked at her death as her leaving him and made it kind of a selfish thing because he is kind of a selfish person. But to get where he was, that's how he had to be. I mean, he he viewed his lifestyle as a child to be not acceptable and that he needed to have a better lifestyle and at whatever cost. So I, I don't know. I I don't know if I would be able to step on anybody I wanted to or I had to to get there. But I guess you're either born with that or you're not. So in this episode, I don't think they really had the time to do the three ghosts. So they just did the ghost of Christmas future, which was Al. 
done very well, by the way. But I think taking the place of the ghost of Christmas present was Sam, because he was kind of letting him know where he stands right now. And the ghost of Christmas past, I think, was represented by the box of pictures. Oh, that makes sense. But see, what's crazy is I I watched this episode twice. For some reason, the first time I watched this episode, I didn't realize that the children were reenacting a scene. I totally thought that was his memory, that he was recalling things. And I didn't catch that at all. I just thought he looked around when he saw the kids and realized that the little boy sitting on his lap was fooling him. And like that's I just thought that that's what happened. I totally didn't realize that the kids were actually reenacting. I thought it was his memory. I did not get that until my fourth time watching this episode. <laughs> well, then I don't feel so bad. But um, I couldn't understand why he was mad at the children being there the first three times until the fourth time, like you said, and I realized everything that went on. Yeah, well, when Al's prediction percent or whatever is, is going, going down and he's getting mad at the kids, I, I was like, I think I missed something. <laughs> Because I don't really know. And then I just figured he thought the little kid with the horse was trying to make him feel bad. You know, like, I that's what I thought. And he just, like, looked around and realized what was going on. But I didn't realize that the kids running in, like, I just thought that they were running in and, like, startled him into realizing what was going on, if that makes sense. But, um, yeah, I didn't get that. Well, that's why I watch an episode repeatedly until I don't have that confusion feeling anymore. (laughs) We don't have the benefit of having a podcast to go along with Quantum Leap. But with other shows that I watch, I like to have a podcast to go along with that show. And what I do is I watch the show and then I'll listen to the podcast and then I'll watch the show again. So it's kind of like you see things that you missed before or somebody else's opinion or observations on that episode. But for us watching this, we have to just watch it over and over until we get as much as we can out of it. I guess that's kind of like the modern day commentary, but you can get other opinions. That's how I got into podcasts because I was so into bonus features and commentaries. Yeah, see, I was never one for bonus features and stuff until I met you. And I I'm now like such a junkie for it. I love the bonus features behind the scenes. Commentaries are pretty cool to hear. Well, podcasting really is kind of like bonus features or commentary because you get to hear opinions other than your own. Four people can watch an episode and see four different things. So that's always cool to see a different point of view. So it's basically the same thing, just on a different platform. With me, while I'm watching something I haven't seen before, I'm like, I can't wait for the movie or TV show to get over so I can get to the bonus features. I don't think I'd go that far into uh, (laughs) liking them that much. It doesn't make sense, but I'm being honest. Well, I guess then when you watch it a second time, you're not in a hurry, right? When you rewatch it, then, then you enjoy it more. So one thing I liked about this episode is Blake calls out Al on being the wrong ghost because he's supposed to be the ghost of Christmas future wearing a black robe and presumably being death. Instead, he's got the chains and trying to be more like Jacob Marley, which is the ghost that tells Scrooge or Blake, in this case, that he's going to be visited by ghosts. So Al was trying to get it all into one, I think. But can you imagine Al not dressing up for the part? I mean, a black robe is so not Al. No, this outfit that Al had on was awesome. It looked like the character was supposed to have done the makeup himself. 
kind of, and it had a black hand on his throat. Like he was being choked by a makeup artist or yeah. something. Yeah, and different color ears. I think one was red and one was green. Yeah, and he had lipstick on. Yeah. Red and green, like almost checker. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Uh, just everything great about that outfit and the makeup with Al, but Al's always, you know, fashion forward, especially for back then. But I'm sure that Al, as a character, loved getting ready for that. <laughs> Did he have a collar on and no shirt? Is that what I saw? Or like a, a low cut shirt, but a collar? It was very interesting. We didn't watch this one in high definition. We watched it on the Region 2 DVDs. Well, I know that his shirt was all ripped and stuff. That so might maybe, have been it. Yeah. Maybe his collar was ripped away from his shirt. I don't know. But they did a great job. But, uh, oh, speaking of a great job, the whole special effect where Blake goes to punch Al and he falls right through him. It looked so real and good. So Way to go, season three. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the effects keep getting better. Oh, yeah. Like, I could not tell he wasn't in that room, except for Blake going through him. I, and you know what? I really liked that Sam had to pretend he wasn't there. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> He's like, okay, I, I can't get him out of here if I can't see him. And if for our listeners, I'm feeling around with my hands. I know that doesn't translate well to audio. <laughs> but uh, I just love that he did that. And it was great. Yeah, I think that Al had a lot of fun with um, the way he acted as this ghost, how he changed his positions, jumped on buildings kind of thing. And he overacted a lot, which is really cool. Like he, the, his facial expressions and the way he used his hands and the way he said things was just like really awesome because you know that Al's not really like that in person, but it was just really cool to see him out of his normal self. Yeah, Al was doing a great job acting like the ghost of Christmas Future, and Dean Stockwell was doing an awesome job as acting like Al being the ghost of Christmas Future. <laughs> uh, Dean Stockwell's amazing. And uh, being one of the two leads of the show, and both of those guys, Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, doing 97 hours of television, and at that high quality level, it's it's pretty amazing, and they did a really good job. Yes, they are both very amazing actors. As we say, a lot. Yeah. We like this show, by the way. Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> Blake lets it slip that he thinks Captain Laura Downey is beautiful. And she is a very pretty lady. And uh, I liked her acting in this episode. I liked her character. Um, I had recognized her. And it wasn't until our researcher sent me more information on her that I realized where I recognized her from. Yeah, she's from uh, X-Files, right? Yeah, she played Dana Scully's sister. So, Well, that's really cool. To add to that moment where he calls her beautiful did you see sam's face he was like hey we might have gotten something here <laughs> well right then i had thought you know this is gonna turn out great and like al was saying there's a 97 percent chance they're gonna get together but then when he started saying 96 94 92 yeah. i was like uh-oh what's going on well there's always the love interest in a christmas carol right in, really? cr in a christmas carol they Who go back scrooge he was in love. They showed and when oh. they went back to his his past. It was his young love and how in love he was. And so, okay. trust me, the Muppets Christmas Carol is my all time favorite Christmas movie. So I, I was going to ask, what is your favorite? So that's your favorite, the Muppets Christmas Carol by far. Do you have other favorites? Um, Scrooge is good. I like the uh, what Kelsey Grammer one. That one's good too. I mean, they're all pretty good. I have a thing. Every holiday season, I try to watch as many different versions of Scrooge as possible. I don't know why. I think just because the story is very comforting to me and I enjoy it and I enjoy seeing it done over and over again by different people. Uh, I'd have to say probably Scrooge is my favorite. 
And uh, like the 1930s black and white one is really good. For some reason, that one reminds me of the first Doctor Who. Like the screw. <laughs> I wonder if it's the same guy. Probably not. I, probably not. But for some reason, the guy who plays Scrooge reminds me of the first Doctor in Doctor Who. The Patrick Stewart one's really good. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. There's so many. There's a, there's another one uh, with is it Vanessa Williams. Isn't there it, one with uh, Tom Arnold? There's so many like Hallmark yeah, ones. Yeah, there's a Tom Arnold one too. There's so many Hallmark Channel ones. There's so many. Well, they redo the Christmas Carol and then the one where you replay Christmas every year. They redo those all so many times. Because we keep watching them. I keep watching them. Yeah. But I enjoy all those. I really do. It's part of the Christmas season, right? If you haven't seen that story at least once during the Christmas season, it doesn't really seem like Christmas. Yeah, you're totally missing out. If you had to pick just one out of all those, what would be your favorite? The one where Data does it on the holodeck on Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. There's more gravy than grave of you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good... I have to watch that every year. I don't know. Um, Scrooged, I would say. Yeah, that's a good one. It's very dark. Yeah, but it's got a good ending. Notice how mine's like the Muppets one where they're all like singing and l- puppets. <laughs> you introduced me to that one and I really enjoy that one. So I watch that every year also. I honestly could not believe you hadn't seen that one. <laughs> I love the Muppets. I love A Christmas Carol. I just had never seen a Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah, it's definitely a good one. If you listeners have not seen A Muppets Christmas Carol, definitely go watch it. It's a happy-go-lucky. Well, I mean, it's still A Christmas Carol, but... I wonder what the listener's favorite version of A Christmas Carol is. If you have a favorite version, let us know by calling 707-847-6682. Leave us a voicemail, and we just might use it in the show. You can also leave us a comment on Facebook or send us an email if you are too shy to call in. It's uh, quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. Or facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can also tweet us also um, at quantumleappod. There are many ways to get a hold of us, so please do. Yeah, because we want to hear if there are some that we haven't seen yet. That would be cool. Yeah. I know I have a lot of Christmas movies to watch. Yeah, I I, I love all Christmas movies. You know what? No, sorry. There, I don't love all Christmas movies. Is there one you don't like? The Christmas Shoes and the sequel to The Christmas Shoes. Don't watch that. I mean, <laughs> horrible. I love Neil Patrick Harris. That's why I watch one of them, but... Well, you didn't see the first one, did you? You just saw the sequel? I knew from the song not to watch the first movie. I had no idea that the Neil Patrick Harris movie was a sequel to that. If I did, I might not have watched it. Yeah, when, when, yeah, don't watch those. They're just too sad. I don't like sad Christmas movies. I like the happy Christmas movies. I like the movies where everything's going good. Something minorly bad goes wrong mediocre yeah towards the end of the movie but then they get past it and everybody's happy right and it all ends with everyone by the christmas tree right and merry christmas lots of hugs and kisses and everything's fine and there's cookies and and those movies don't yeah no they no so going back to the episode blake definitely knows the whole story of a christmas carol since uh he calls al out on who he's supposed to be and what he's dressed like i think everyone knows that story Sometimes people in the retelling of A Christmas Carol don't realize that there there was A Christmas Carol before. It depends on the universe. But he knows definitely, which helps with the shorthand, because all he needs is the ghost of Christmas future to show him his future. From 1975, the newscast, where he goes bankrupt, and uh, they just made his hair a little bit gray. Yeah, he was wearing a wig. Yeah. Pretty bad. But in the 70s, maybe people wore wigs. I don't know. At some point, people had to wear wigs, right? Yeah. But he I, might, he I, might have went bald and needed a bad wig. <laughs> was there a good wig in the 70s? I don't know. <laughs> you were totally right. <laughs> All he had to do was see he was going to go bankrupt. And then Al told him in this episode that he commits suicide. 
because of his financial problems, which is kind of um, eerie, let's say, watching it nowadays, because turns out the actor who played Michael Blake did commit suicide. No way. Yeah. Um, Charles Rocket, who played Michael Blake, died on Monday, October 17th, 2005, of an apparent suicide. The manner and age of Michael Blake are a terrible, unintentional foreshadowing of this event. Ouch. Yeah, I found that out when we were trying to contact him for an interview. Yeah, I guess not. So uh, That's so sad. A horrible way that life is imitating art. Uh, I, this, this brings up a topic of suicide, I guess, around the holidays. Not a good thing, but it seems to happen a lot. I guess it just highlights if you're not doing so well, it highlights all the things that are going wrong in your life. Um, all the things you don't have. Still not a reason to kill yourself. It seems that Charles Rocket didn't learn a lesson from this episode to where suicide is not the right answer. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. But that's it's a very sensitive subject because um, suicide affects a lot of people. And for whatever reason, you know, they obviously think that it's the better option in that moment. And it affects so many people around them. But in the episode, Blake didn't have anybody and all he had was his money. So when he lost his money, he lost everything. So at least in this episode, in the art form, not in reality, at least he, you know, realized that even if he lost his money, at least he has a family now in the new future. Right. So he's got something to live for. Yeah. But Christmas or the holiday time is hard because if you don't have family, you know, everywhere you look, it's about spending time with your family. Or if you don't have money, it's about spending money. Um, it, it does highlight all of the problems that you have or the lack of support or family that you have during this time. So it might push people with problems with depression over the edge, maybe? Oh, yeah, definitely. It also puts a lot of pressure on people who do have family and maybe not a perfect situation with their family or, you know people with anxiety, social anxiety, or things like that. I know that uh, Christmas and holidays, all of that stuff can be really stressful to most people. And if you already have a, you know, predisposition for stuff like that, it can be really tough. So on the way to my day job the other day, I was listening to Mission Log podcast, and I found out that the actor who played Cyrano Jones on Star Trek, Stanley Adams, had committed suicide. And I was like, that kind of brought me down. And uh, while I was at work that day, uh, the building next to where I work is a hotel, and somebody committed suicide like three days ago, I think now. Wow. It's the holidays and suicide. Uh, I just want to tell everybody out there, if if you have any thoughts of suicide, it's it's not the answer. If you don't have people in your life, if you think that life's not worth living, change your environment, move, find new friends, go somewhere else, do something. Being alive is always better than the alternative. It's hard to actually act on those words. I mean, they, they sound good and they are definitely words to to live by and, you know, advice to take. But when you are in a position that you feel like you can't go on and stuff like that, it can be hard to just hear those words and, and act on them. But um, there's always somebody who thinks you're important and there's always somebody who loves you. You just have to reach out and find that person. And it gets better. That's always that's always a good phrase to live by. It gets better. It does get better. And uh, one thing that I've heard from people who do commit suicide and don't succeed is... Oh, I was like, have you been talking to those people lately? <laughs> no, not, not the ones that do succeed, but the ones that don't succeed. So they do succeed, 
<laughs> um, is as soon as they do whatever they were going to do to kill themselves, they immediately regret it. So don't be that person. Yeah, m- most of the time you can't go back. But um, life is... Worth living. Yes. Back and to... Lots of, lots of touchy subjects in this episode. There's a lot to talk about. But I mean, suicide happened in the episode and it really happened in real life to the actor who played it, so... Yeah, it's just when when you've been in in a spot where you feel like you can't go on and and you've been in that dark place where you feel like nothing could get better and and things like that. I mean, I've never been in a, a spot where it's that dark and and that extreme, but I know that everybody has bad days and I can't imagine being in a situation where my bad days are that bad. And I just I want everyone to know that there really is somebody, there's always somebody out there that will miss you if you're gone. I've been lonely before and depressed, but I've never not wanted to live. I love life. No matter how bad it gets, I love it. You want to live forever. Fame, I want to live forever. It's true. I want to live just long enough until they discover immortality. You say that. <laughs> I don't know. I watch a lot of uh, vampire shows where they're all miserable because they've lived forever. Yeah, I don't get that. Not me. Maybe they don't have cable. See, I could, I could see. There's so many shows right now. I don't have time to watch. If I live to a couple hundred, maybe I can watch them all. That, that's your goal in life to live forever so you can watch TV. It's <laughs> not good... like go travel or build an empire or. I want to see the next Star Trek series. I want to see when they reboot Quantum Leap. I want to see all that. I think we're starting to be in the era where they remake everything, so we might actually see a lot of that sooner rather than later. I'm looking forward to it. There's always something to live for. When they remake it, are we going to have a, a QLP too? <laughs> oh, we'll be right there. What were the messages and meanings in this episode that we could take away from it? Money can't buy happiness. Um, being alone in a huge empire that you've built by stepping on everyone is not worth it. Maybe love is more important than money. Oh, I like that one. Don't be a Scrooge. Don't be a Scrooge. If you own a business, give your employees the day off. <laughs> I am lucky to work for one of those companies that gives me the day off. You are. And I get paid for it. Woo-hoo. You do. <laughs> and I'm very happy for you. But you are not one of those people. <laughs> I am not one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those of you that have to work on uh, Christmas Day, we're sorry. And I'll be... <laughs> can, uh, He's right there with you. He'll be working right right alongside you. I sympathize with you, but I still love life. So I'm going to come home after work and be very happy and enjoy the holiday with my family. Yeah. Whatever holiday you celebrate, Hanukkah, winter solstice, Kwanzaa, Festivus, Christmas. Are there any others? Just a general holiday. Wasalia. That's the new Disney Junior Channel uh, holiday. Tell me about it. I like it. I have no idea. There's no information on it other than the fact that it's not a real holiday. Uh, it is now. You mentioned it. They light a candle and there's presents. It's everything like Christmas, but there's no actual holiday called Wasalia. I'm sure somebody celebrates it. And if you do, happy Wasalia. <laughs> exactly. If you're at home watching Sophia the First with your children, happy Wasalia. <laughs> we celebrate all the holidays as just the basic holiday season, but we have a tree. We have a Festivus pole. We have all kinds of things, decorations. I love the holidays. I really do. I love the movies. I love the music. I love these episodes of television that have the Scrooge storyline, which there's got to be over 100 by now, between Welcome Back Carter, Three's Company, and MASH, 
and I could go on and on, but like I think every television show that's gone more than a few seasons has always had a Christmas Carol storyline. Do you think they sit down in the meeting and they're like, hey, it's time. It's time to do the Christmas Carol story. I think they go, uh, it's time to do the holiday show. And uh, after about 15 minutes, if they can't come up with anything, they go, a Christmas Carol. Yeah. It's either that or the Christmas repeating. Those are the two. Right after Groundhog Day. Yeah. They went right to Christmas repeating. Well, because, you know, the, the saying, why can't every day be Christmas? Is it bad that sometimes when I watch the uh, Hallmark or ABC Family Channel movies, I think that this is going to be a repeating Christmas movie and it's not, but I expect it to be. You kind of just expect it from every movie now. <laughs> what was a good one not too long ago? The one with Jay Moore. That one was good. Oh, that is a good one. I like him. And I watched Pete's Christmas this year. That one was pretty cute. And if it's not the time repeating movie for Christmas, uh, they redo It's a Wonderful Life, which is my favorite Christmas movie, probably. Yeah, I, um, I get, yeah, they do redo that one, don't they? Yeah, a lot. But it's a good story. Or they do a combination of all of them. (laughs) This episode of Quantum Leap was almost a combination of A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Yeah, I can see that. But overall, I really like this episode and I'm going to add it to my yearly holiday movie television show list. Pretty soon you're going to have to start watching them like at Halloween to get to all of them by Christmas. As it is right now, December 1st, I'm like, okay, we're starting the holiday movies. Well, you know that they start in like November now, like on Hallmark Channel, they start way early, way before Thanksgiving. You just skip Thanksgiving. There's not really a lot of Thanksgiving movies, planes, trains, and automobiles maybe. But other than that, not so many. I don't feel like that is a Thanksgiving movie. I know you say that. But it takes place on Thanksgiving and they're trying to get home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then the ending, they have Thanksgiving. Other than that, it's got nothing to do with Thanksgiving. <laughs> but I mean, like when I think of Thanksgiving, I'm not like, oh yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles. Spider-Man Part 1, that takes place on Thanksgiving, but that's not really it's a not Thanksgiving a holiday movie. movie. But other than that, you go right to the Christmas movies, the holiday movies. The You got to start early because they make more and more every year. I know. What's some of your favorite Christmas television shows? Like, every year I have to watch X-Files, The Ghost Who Stole Christmas. I don't think I have a favorite. Well, you can watch the one I watch, so. (laughs) I I have now, for the last couple years, watched that one, which is good. At least I know the whole story now. (laughs) Of that one episode. Of that one episode. Well, now add Quantum Leap, A Little Miracle, to that list. I've seen 10% of X-Files and that one episode (laughs) a whole bunch of times. Hey, this is NC from the Hater Nation Show podcast, thehaternationshow.com, wishing all the Quantum Leap podcast listeners a happy holidays. Due to the nonlinear nature of this episode, we're not going to do any listener feedback just because it would be out of place. If we had feedback from the future in the past, that could be dangerous. Or if we had feedback from the past in the future, that could be boring. At the end of this episode... There is what I like to call the... Credits. (laughs) At the end of this episode, when Al is showing Michael Blake his future and projecting all these images, finally what gets him to go into the mission at the end is that shining star with a beam of light to the front door of the Salvation Army. And he goes in. And of course, we all assume that it's uh, Al and Ziggy in cahoots. But then when uh, Sam says that star was a nice touch, Al was like, "Uh, that wasn't me. That's what I like to call the cane in the corner moment. The what? The cane in the corner moment, like uh, Miracle on 34th Street, where at the end, it's like, ah, supernatural. Like every Christmas movie, TV show has to have that little moment at the end. Like in the uh, Lucy Christmas special, they all dress up like Santa Claus to surprise little Ricky. 
but there's only four of them and there's five Santas. So that's the cane in the corner moment. What exactly is the cane in the corner? At, the, not... at the end of Miracle on 34th Street, when the little girl gets the house she wanted and it's theirs, how did they get it? Ah, Santa Claus's cane is in the corner. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. So every Christmas movie, I think, to do with Santa Claus anyway, or something like that, has that. Like, is that like when they do the Christmas Carol, they're always sleeping? Like they, they go to sleep first, they either fall and hit their head, or they go to sleep and then they see the three ghosts? I think that's a different moment. But it's kind of like leaves it up to question whether it really happened or if they dreamed it. But every holiday Christmas TV show movie has that little moment that you don't really believe what's going on is really happening until that little cane in the corner moment. So that's my cane in the corner moment for this episode of Quantum Leap. The Even though I think I'm pretty sure that Ziggy threw in the star and the uh, spotlight just to get the job done and let Sam get out of there. On a different note... This might open a whole other can of worms, but why don't the parents believe in Santa Claus in the Santa Claus movies? Because they're the ones buying the gifts until that cane in the corner moment where, where did that gift come from? (laughs) But like, if there are gifts from Santa under the tree every year and the parents didn't buy them, I mean, like that's what always got me when I was a kid. I'm like, but the parents don't believe, but the parents are the ones, I don't know. Sorry, that was totally off topic, but it was just something that Christmas movies have in them. Can you tell we like the holidays? Favorite time of the year? Uh, I thought it was a nice sweet moment at the end where uh, Al and Sam say Merry Christmas to each other and it snows. And then they sing after the credits, right? Yeah, they sing during the credits. uh, They sing a Christmas carol. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) And uh, then they say Merry Christmas, everybody. I like when they do that. Yeah, it's not like a Tiny Tim thing. Bless us all, everyone. Something like that. Mary Lou Retton makes an awesome Tiny Tim, by the way. I don't know who that is. So then Sam leaps onto a boat. That seems like a good episode that we'll get to either next week or in about a year and a half. (laughs) Or a year and a half ago. Oh, no, it's the next one after this one. Oh, okay. Well, you know what I mean. So whatever holiday you celebrate, we wish you a merry one. We wish you a happy all of the holidays. Every single one. Yes, enjoy them all. The more the merrier. The whole month of December. Enjoy the entire month. And into January because that's when my birthday is. I think I'll still be watching holiday movies in January because there's no way I'm going to watch them all. Even if you start now, you have we don't have enough time. TiVo's full. Why don't we make the whole year a holiday movie year? Because then it... Oh, I see what you did there. What did I do? You know the whole, I wish every day was Christmas thing before the you relive Christmas every day. That's a great idea. The TiVo's full of holiday movies. Uh, so is my DVD Blu-ray shelf. And uh, we just leave the tree up and the pole up and watch some movies. Leave the pole up. Happy Festivus. <laughs> and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the
Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. Go to quantumleappodcast.com to listen to new episodes. The Quantum Leap Podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal TV. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get behind-the-scenes information, exclusive content, and to be notified first when a new episode is available. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Quantum Leap Podcast, Baron Space Productions, its partners or affiliates. The Quantum Leap Podcast is edited by Albie, researched by Juan. The Quantum Leap Universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal TV. No infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a barren space production. Cotton, the fabric of our lives. It was a modern, it was a modern version of, the, of, of a Christmas carol. You can't enjoy your life with a building, if that makes sense. Unless it has furry walls. <laughs> I think that only goes so far. <laughs> okay. Because he's usually got to act like Al's not there, so people don't think he's crazy, but he's the only one that sees Al. But now he saw Al along with Blake and had to act like, I'm just going to cut that out. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Oh, we're together in season three, by the way. Oh, are we? Yes. Romantic. Hey, buddy. So Blake says uh, she's beautiful when he's seeing... So Blake is Blake slips out that he thinks that Captain Laura Downey is beautiful. Blake slips out that he thinks Captain Laura Blake Downey. He had that George Bailey moment at the end where he was on the ground and weeping because he saw what his life was going to be like, kind of, in an alternate reality, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it kind of like when Daisy comes back from the land of Diz with the green slippers on? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So, those, <laughs> I only mention that because they're so obvious about it. Daisy, I think you had a dream. You know that it's Minnie Mouse, right? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Daisy. Yeah. Oh, Minnie, I think you must have fallen asleep and had a dream. And then Mickey goes, why? Where did you get those green shoes? And then she goes, maybe it wasn't a dream, right, everybody? (laughs) Not that I've seen that 82 times. (laughs) Please keep that in the podcast, at least in the bloopers. All right. Favorite time of the year. Say that again. Favorite time of the... We miss you. We we miss you. We miss you a Merry Christmas. Pearson, you forgot the towel.